This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, alaikum, welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. I cannot believe that it is the last episode for the year, um, 2022. You've been a, a, a beautiful mixed bag, um, but you've gone by really, really quickly. And um, it would be nice if you slowed down a little bit more to appreciate things. But also at the same time, um, the energy around endings and beginnings is really, I don't know, I, I like it because it, everyone slows down um there's that reflective energy, that resting energy that is like prioritized. So, well, I hope everyone gets to enjoy that. Um, as I said that aloud, I'm like, oh, I actually, I might not be the reality for everyone. But um, yeah, the, the the endings and beginnings um, of the Gregorian calendars, I don't know. I always appreciate this time of the year because everyone is kind of collectively like, oh my gosh, we're all on holiday for once. Um so I'm looking, yeah, looking forward to the end of the year. And I thought that while we're kind of talking about this reflective energy, I'll kind of share my biggest, you know, lessons this year, specifically in relation to the space of, um, you know, how do we live with each other? How do we have those tough, tough conversations? How do we come together to combat all the isms and, um, yeah, so this year I have a list of five things that I've really, really been challenged on this year or, you know, something that I probably did know beforehand, but this year I really got to lean into those um, lean into those lessons, which, yeah, I think a lot of these things you're going to listen, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, I know, I know, but I don't know, it's not, there's a difference between knowing and then experiencing and and learning I think that's when it becomes so real and like 3d you know like you know those things that we kind of all know at at the point of just hearing of them and like kind of understanding it on I suppose on a basic level for a lack of a better word it's as if you're just writing something 2D but as soon as you kind of cross that line and you really lean into it you have this you have experiences with it and then all of a sudden it becomes 3D and when it becomes 3D you can interact with it you can touch it you can um, really feel like if it was a physical object, you'd be able to feel the texture um, where it curves in and curves out and have a really good understanding of it and have a good grip on it. And I think some of these things, yeah, I have been able to, uh, it's something that I have been aware of, but it wasn't until this year, I suppose, I've had a really good grip on it. Um, and this is why it's made, it's made it onto my list for lessons from this year. And I hope that... Um, yeah, I hope that hearing these, you can kind of resonate or kind of also 
pick up a new golden nugget um and i also encourage everyone to kind of sit down and think about well you know what are my lessons from this year because i think these things it's really beautiful to sit and reflect and so you're learning it on purpose and not by accident because it would be a mighty shame I think it's like a loss of a learning opportunity to go from that 2D to 3D when you kind of learn things um, by accident versus on purpose and I think reflection is a really powerful tool to help transition from that 2D to that 3D so um yeah i hope you enjoy the episode to come and at the end of it um we'll go through some questions together if you also wanted to go through this reflection um, process with yourself so thank you for tuning in okay so time to go from the 2d to the 3d and my first lesson lesson sorry from this year is when someone challenges you really listen and reflect um i think especially uh, yeah this is me just being very real and raw here but i think uh, as i've gotten older i've learned to become softer but you know if someone had a different view to me and in my head i'd labeled it um you know racist or ignorant or um just incorrect for whatever reason if I've labeled that incorrect um and that kind of thinking would challenge me I would I would just go down the path of least resistance which is just to say you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong um and and not listen or another thing happens where my defense mechanisms activate or I'm so embarrassed and full of shame instead of acknowledging that embarrassment or that shame I will just double down (laughs) and try to recover any pride that is left (laughs) I don't know why my brain thinks like this I think it's quite common though when you you do have those feelings of embarrassment and shame you know instead of admitting it because for for whatever reason admitting it just makes it a whole lot worse well in my head anyway um I will just double down and not actually engage with the conversation and then my only priority is to keep the embarrassment and shame away and um you know, those are like more on the extreme side of reactions, I suppose. Um, or sometimes what will happen is I will get too stuck into the to the details that actually it doesn't really matter too much to the conversation. Kind of like the same energy of, um, you know, he said, she said that type of thing and I think once you get into that energy it doesn't actually center around the conversation anymore it's more about who's wrong who's right what are the details and kind of satisfying your ego and and so I've had kind of these reactions that I've outlined outlined sorry and and even more there there is more um there are more reactions out there but I think 
you know, I, I, I have to acknowledge that sometimes that I can get too hot-headed in conversations, especially when it's conversations that are really important um, to me. I, I won't really, like my initial reaction won't be to just sit and listen and reflect. And I think that this year has, has challenged me with that. I think A, challenged me with um, the fact that I'm naturally not a great listener. And I've definitely learned this year that you can say X, Y, Z, but the filter that people have to then actually pick up what you've said it's not always the same process and and the same goes for me and so the first part of really leaning into um listening and reflecting when someone does challenge me is a just actually listening and it seems like a really easy skill but it actually is so hard um to just sit and listen and, and sit with what someone said and trying to pick apart what they were what they were meaning and this um, process of attempting to understand what that other person has said it's a series of questions like you can never assume that you can do that process by yourself even though most of the time you know in real time when you're having a conversation with someone it's like a tennis match and you're going back and forth back and forth um but if you are really wanting to listen to what someone says and you're not a hundred percent understanding that initially and that's a-okay I, I think you know it's a-okay to not a hundred percent understand what someone was meaning what nuance um their point of view or their corridor has yeah, it's a it's a further conversation again to understand and it's okay to kind of ask questions um if you mean it with curiosity and empathy um and not coming in with the point of you know trying to catch people out or you know coming in with negative energy like that like it is a very active conversation or active conversation is part of listening if you feel like you're not understanding what that person is saying um and it's a two-way street to kind of get to that mutual understanding together and so when you do come to that point of tension or you know when someone challenges you what are they actually trying to say where are you both coming from um like what things have happened in your respective lives to get you to the point where you are now and I'm not saying that after this process you will get to a place where you'll be like oh my gosh um I agree with you now because that's not necessarily what happens um this sense of agreement I think but the benefit of having rigorous conversation like that um, and really reflecting when someone challenges you is that the opinions that you do hold you get a chance to reevaluate it again and again and again and you know you might not ever agree with this person but who knows you might pick up a little thread of something that you can now weave into your understanding and into your experience um, and it doesn't mean that they're wrong they're right and I think we really need to move away from this binary thinking I think it's 
that's actually a really quite dangerous I feel like this this binary thinking but when someone does really challenge you really sit and listen and and listen to what they or what they have to say and that means you're going to have to you know be aware and acknowledge your your defense mechanisms your feelings of um, embarrassment or shame or guilt or whatever it is that may come up um, just because I think we're we're not really taught to handle having conversations where there are such drastic different like drastic viewpoints without it having to be a big argument or it or it um, stays away from that belittling of the other side and I don't know if this has become even more prevalent since COVID and since you know a spike in misinformation rates or if it's um the internet the more time that we kind of spend on the online world or i don't know probably a combination of all of the above but i feel like um the belittling of the other side quote unquote um has become has become a thing as opposed to really listening and reflecting when someone challenges you and listen i know that it's not it's not easy there have been many times where I have um, felt challenged and have had to learn how to fight that sense of embarrassment Um, yeah that sense of embarrassment and that shame that can come with being challenged or being called out because you know inherently kind of maybe this is a reflective a reflection of how much more work that I need to do but you know, when someone challenges you, it it feels like it's a direct attack on you, and that's not the case. But that's how it feels like, and you kind of feel this fight flight coming up. Um, or even if it's not that deep, and it's more of a, um, you know, you're not feeling those feelings of embarrassment or shame, but you're kind of in a intellectual tussle with someone, or it can be an emotional intellectual tussle with someone, Um, and when that person challenges you, I think that energy of persuasion and trying to be like, well, no, 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 listen to me, here are my arguments for da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and why I I have my viewpoint is better than yours or stronger than yours, Um, you know, I think we should have that motivation of, okay, we think differently to each other um let's try to understand let's try to understand that and and talk about where that's come from why you think like that all those kinds of stuff because I think that intention then leads on to a really productive conversation and you know who knows what the result of that conversation may look like um what it will be but I think it's really important to really sit with and reflect when someone challenges you um my next lesson from this year is that someone can only meet you where they've met themselves and that sounds really um I don't know it sounds that sounds like those really vague one-liners those random motivational quotes that you get on the internet but what I mean by that is I think we as humans like to think that um, a lot of our conversations, the way that we think about the world is very much um, built on 
argument and reason and you know all these more logical things but at the end of the day deep 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 down I think we're actually like very emotional creatures and we are driven by like our worldview our choices our decisions really it's all fueled by I don't know our sense of emotional our emotional needs our emotional drivers our um the way that we have healed and the way that we've like kind of processed our life events um you know if and that's something that I've I've met realized not only just like in the space of talking about um being a better ally and fighting all the isms um, but just like in life in general I think someone can only meet you um, where they've really met themselves and if someone hasn't had the opportunity to you know think about or interrogate whether where their values come from how they've processed their their life you know the good the bad the traumatic that it the happy times, like everything in between. If they haven't really had a chance to process that for themselves, I think when we are, especially in really like pressured moments or heated moments, we kind of go back to our, um, we kind of go back to our default. And I think that's why it's so important for people to really figure out um, who they are and to really fully sit with themselves and be able to pick apart um, their psyche but someone can only meet you where they've met themselves and just to kind of demonstrate this point I'd like to share a wee anecdote um, around around this so I was in conversation with um someone we were talking about um I don't know we were just talking about like in general um race relations and and kind of like the general state of Aotearoa at the moment you know how we where we're at with um you know racism and Islamophobia and um how open and accepting we are to the queer community like all these types of things we were just talking about you know just like how socially progressive New Zealand is essentially and um you know would have this conversation um in different ways but over um spread out over a couple of months and the conversations were really unproductive I've yeah the conversations are really unproductive and it took me a really long time to kind of figure out why um, but once it clicked, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And I think, yeah, once it clicked, it was really um, eye-opening. And the way that I approached these conversations with this person afterwards, um, it, it was very, very different just because I realized that I actually, I need to preserve my energy. And if this person isn't going to meet me at the level that's like needed for this conversation to happen, honestly, then, you know, they're they're just not ready for it or it's it's just not going to be a productive conversation so you know we'd be talking about things like 
colonization and um, I don't want to speak to too much details, but you could just tell that this person um, just hadn't really engaged with the history of this country and very much engaged with, um, you know, whatever history that they were um, brought up with. And because they'd never really interrogated or went outside of their own um, subjective reality of history, it was this mindset of, well, I have this, I have this right. And everyone else is, you know, complaining too much and um this is this is my right and I feel like my freedoms are being um attacked right now. My my, my freedoms are being attacked right now and it's not to invalidate this person but when we're when we're talking about stuff like this, you know, it's really hard to have a productive, genuine conversation with someone and, and you know, it wasn't like at the end of the day I expected them to agree with everything that I was saying because you know that's not the point of it but the point was because this person was like I am the victim because my rights are being attacked upon the conversations just weren't productive we couldn't talk about the history of um, Aotearoa it was always kind of dismissed ignored um and I could just, yeah, after I kind of clicked, because it took me such a long time, I could never really put words to it. I just, it was just this feeling of, you know, these conversations, um, they're just not being, they're not helpful right now. And they're not productive. And I feel like I'm just putting a lot of energy into it and not getting a lot back. And, and so because this person had this particular mindset, they never asked any questions with curiosity and empathy, they never approach the conversation in a genuine manner in hopes to, you know, to kind of figure out, to really listen, to sit with what I was saying and just, you know, seeing how they felt about that. It was, um, it was, uh, just pure running from that emotional, um, well, I'm the victim here. And I think once you kind of have that mentality, it's really hard to, imagine anything else because you'll only ever see yourself in one particular way and I think this applies to just any conversation in life and I I in my head I think I always thought this was very much a personal thing like when you're talking about your relationship with an, another person or like things that were to do with your own personal life and I never really thought about this concept in the sense of talking about wider social justice issues but we are emotional creatures and I think when we are challenged when we haven't interrogated our our worldview and you know why do we think the way that we do um, you do often run run by default and you kind of label yourself and you put yourself into these boxes and once you put yourself into boxes like that um you can never have com like genuine open conversation with that curiosity and that empathy because you've already sussed out the roles of everyone on this planet you've sussed out how things should work you know how the system should work you know the flow um 
but I think when we approach these conversations, it should be, okay, this is what I know. How, what else can I, like, how how else can I process this? And there's a sense of openness to that. Um, you know, you have a loose grip. I mean, you're still holding on to what's important to you. And I think that's always, always important. You need to hold on to what's important to you because otherwise you will fall for anything. Um, and I think that's really, really scary. Um, but the idea is that once you've kind of, you gain this this emotional maturity, you really process things, you are healed, um, instead of having a really tight grip holding onto everything that you think you know, you've kind of loosened up, which is what we want. Um, but you, and just to carry on this metaphor even more, you can't talk to someone when they have a tight grip on something, um, because that means they'll never be willing to open up and have a deep conversation with you. It's just, um, it's just not a conversation that is productive or a good use of your time. Um, and so I think that's something that I've really learned this year is kind of assessing, well, does this person entering this conversation, does this person have a really tight grip or a really loose grip and they're open to having this conversation with me and you know this tight grip versus loose grip I think you you get that the more that you heal and the more that you open up and that's something that like I found for myself as well because I'm not too sure if I've spoken about it on the show but I um I have been going to therapy a lot more this year and um, going into therapy, I'm not too sure what I expected, um, to be honest with you. I just knew that I needed I needed help kind of processing things that have happened to me um, in my life. Um, but I've realized that there are actually some really, some things that I didn't need to have such a tight grip on and it's been so freeing um doing doing the work um with my therapist to learn to have a loose grip on things I think um that's really really important and you know I think that's really important for us to be aware of because again there's just no point having conversations with someone who has such a tight grip it's it's not going to lead to a productive corridor um so that's my lesson number two Lesson number three is follow the inconsistencies. Um, I think uh, this year, one thing that's kind of, or the power of just asking why has come up time and time again um, in my life, like in, in 2022. And I've just been like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, if you have a particular worldview, well, why is that? Um, and just keep asking why all the time to yourself, to other people, and you know there will be inconsistencies that show up in your thinking. And why are things okay in a particular context, but not okay in another context? And um, those inconsistencies with your thinking, follow them. They will lead you to those like not weak spots, I don't want to call it a a weak spot, but they will lead you to places where you can then keep further reinforcing, reinforcing, sorry, or keep reassessing, well, why is it 
that this is the way um, that I think. And I think um, for me personally, following these inconsistencies um, has made me realize, well, oh, actually, there is this inconsistency in my thinking and why does that inconsistency exist? Is it coming from a particular bias that I have? Is this something that is coming from me or is it coming from me being conditioned? Like it's opened up a whole variety of conversations and I think um, it's helped me change my views or open up my views more um, to to how I think about particular things um, and just to give an, an anecdote um, to illustrate the point even further and this came from such a silly conversation and I've had this inconsistency following the inconsistencies it's happened in more serious instances but for whatever reason this is the example that's just coming to mind at the moment but um, yeah there's just I can't remember how long ago it was, but my friend and I, we were talking about behaviours that people should or shouldn't have um, towards particular, like, animals. If we're comparing pets to farm animals to wild animals, yeah, we were just talking about the shoulds and shouldn'ts about how to to treat um, animals and there were definitely inconsistencies in my thinking and it's made me realise that it's not logical but it's definitely driven by bias and it's definitely driven by um this like sense of whiteness that I've kind of assimilated to growing up um and just to get deeper into the example to further explain that point um it was about, there was a particular, we just kept asking each other why, why. And what I learned from that inconsistency was, um, I've really, I, well, and I've spoken about it on the show before a lot, but when I was younger, I really, I just did not want to be associated with being um, Somali, being black, being Muslim. Like, I just wanted to be as white as possible because I was like, you know what, this is, um, the identity in life that will give me the least amount of trouble and I just I don't want to be different anyways I'm still kind of unlearning and healing from that even at my age of uh, 28 years old um, but I think growing up you know um, ethnic kids were always really teased for what kind of animals they ate or what animals they um, revered or what animals they had as pets and all this kind of stuff and when we were talking we were having that conversation it just kind of revealed that inconsistency and what followed the inconsistencies and kind of led me to this conclusion that actually I still needed to like let go of that and it was a bit of a shock or surprise to me because you know the past uh, particularly the past couple of years but I think it's just as I've gotten old a bit of you know as I've gotten older and I've become more mature um but it's made me like realize that I've done a lot of work on reclaiming and decolonizing but there's actually still a long way to go and there are some things that I'm still holding on to um 
And I wouldn't have realized that or kind of come to that conclusion if I didn't follow that inconsistency. And, you know, sometimes following inconsistencies, it doesn't mean that you will change your mind. Sometimes following those inconsistencies will be like, oh, actually, it has reinforced that this is the way that um, I think about the world or this is what I believe. And and that's fine. Um, You know, whatever is a result of following that inconsistency, it is what it is. Um, But I think it is really important to follow those inconsistencies because, um, again, on the other side, there will be growth for sure on the other side of that but following those inconsistencies are really really important um my next we lesson from this year is even with your loved ones the importance of creating a safe place for someone to you know to voice their opinions is so important i think the reason why we don't engage with a lot of these kind of conversations um, unless it's you know in particular places or spaces or instances when really we should be just talking about it more openly more casually more often um, with our family and our friends Um, but I think the main reason is that we just don't create safe places and you know when you create a safe place it's saying to that other person like we've got you, you're not a horrible person um, for how you think, but let's create a safe place so we can meet you where you're at and just see where the conversation takes us and see if we can go somewhere else. Um, And I think this kind of links back to that, what I was saying earlier on about how, you know, when I was, especially when I was younger, I think it's all something that I'm still learning but I've gotten a lot better at is when someone you know would say something really ignorant or just silly or one of the ists like if it was racist I would pop all the way off and like I would come for people's jugular vein for saying something so horrible or ridiculous and and you know for family I I would not give any kind of grace and I feel really embarrassed saying that out loud but you know really creating safe places for people and 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 I'm saying that you have to be in the right headspace for yourself you have to um be grounded you have to be ready and sometimes and that's not a constant thing either like some days you're just like listen I just I just can't hold the space um and that's fine and you can always put the conversation on pause and pick it up another day um but if you're actually genuinely interested or invested in that person's growth then creating grace for yourself and that other person by creating a safe place is where that growth comes from I think growth can never really come from you know growth can never really come from that energy of you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong um even if what they do think is pretty harmful or ignorant um or whatever it may be if you do come in with that energy that kind of screams that message of you're wrong you're wrong then you'll never you'll never get that growth and so if you're you really want to invest 
in that person's growth then you've got to create a safe place and again I just want to reiterate you're not always going to want to create that safe place sometimes it is really harmful to do that sometimes it takes up way too much energy sometimes it's just hella draining um but that safe place is 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 really important um and that's why it's also on the back of that it's also really really important to look after yourself because it takes a lot to create that energy or that safe place for other people like you also have to create that for yourself first um and really have your cup full and be in the headspace for that um and I, I've also I've really learned that too um and that's been a really big learning curve um so yeah if you if you're invested in that person's growth and and this doesn't have to apply to everyone in your life like you absolutely have the permission to pick and choose who you um want to create that safe place for like if you're like listen family really good friends sure if it's your colleague if it's your um you know that person that you see like once a month and you're just like I actually I just choose to disengage because I can't create that safe place I don't want to create that safe place that's absolutely fine but I'm just saying for people whose investment that you for people whose growth that you're really invested in creating that safe place is number one because nothing else will will come from that but that also means you have to look after yourself first like you are number one and then you can create that safe place um, for other people. Um, my next lesson from this year is that extreme thinking on either end isn't productive. And um, I think this has been proven time and time again, especially this year. Like I almost forgot that this happened until I was kind of reflecting um, you know, preparing for this episode, and I was like, oh my gosh, so much happened this year, but you know, especially with um, the protests at Parliament, um, you know, living in Porneke, the, you know, the wave that those protests created, you could really, really feel it here um, in Wellington, and you know, ever since the Parliament protests, I think I've just been more sensitive and aware to this extreme thinking on either ends that has been encouraged um encouraged and reproduced time and time again it makes me feel so so uncomfortable um so uncomfortable like the last time I distinctly remember feeling so uncomfortable with extreme thinking was when I went to um Jordan Peterson's talk in Pornake um oh my gosh that was a really eye-opening experience you know because everything that he said he took every opportunity to insult belittle diminish you know what did he call he called them like the woke lefties or something um but you know every opportunity to to diminish and to make fun of um to ridicule and to reduce to just pure stupidity um every opportunity for that was like was was taken um and with a joy and um without any hesitation and um 
you know, everyone in the audience is just lapping it up, they're laughing, they're like, yeah, yeah, the stupid woke lefties, and and this is another thing that surprised me, I, I thought I'd come in and completely disagree with um, everything that he said, there was very little, there was very little, but there were some things that he said, and I was like, oh, actually, yeah, that is something that we should think about more, um, yeah I didn't agree with him but I was just like oh that actually is somewhat valid and I will this is giving me food for thought for my own to take back to think about my own um, thoughts and opinions about this particular matter Um, but it was this because he was making so much fun of the left it just kind of made his viewpoints even more extreme and you know um, more to the right and it just honestly it made me so uncomfortable because there actually wasn't anything that was said that I was like this would lead to a productive conversation it was just more like reaffirming this is why I'm right this is why I'm right and this is why the left are dumb (laughs) and I, I just really don't think that's productive because a it just leads to division right like it's either you're herded into this camp or the other camp and life just actually doesn't work like that I think if we do want change for the better if we want to you know move towards progression whatever that looks like you're not going to get there because the world's kind of been separated into the two camps of thinking um that's that's just impossible and I think really silly um, and it doesn't actually honour the diversity um, in our room and I know that I'm as I'm saying it out loud that sounds really idealistic um, and I, I do acknowledge that yes there may be an element of me being um, idealistic but also you know, this direction we're headed towards, this extreme thinking, I think is really dangerous and harmful because, yeah, as I said before, A, it kind of leads to a division and as soon as people have divisions like that, you know, you don't see the other side as humans anymore, you just see them as, you know, the enemy or you just see them, like you you assume everything about the other side because you're like, well, you're this you're that, you believe this and that, so therefore you behave like this, you think like this, you experience, like you just assume everything about that other side when those divisions become so strong. And I think the more we allow this kind of extreme binary thinking to be a thing, the more that we are causing divides between people. Um, And once we have those divides, then it's like, well, how can we listen, how can we learn, how can we grow, I think none of those things um, are available once those divisions um, exist among people, Um, and also I think the other scary thing about extreme thinking is, you know, the lengths that people will go to to defend their viewpoints, it's really scary, and misinformation is a very real thing, and you know, and I, th- I think I've seen this like characterize- characterization of the other side, even in a casual manner, but I think it's still so harmful, even if it's like a, it's a joke or it's said in a more casual manner, it's, 
it's still putting up divides between people um and i think that is that is terrifying um but on that note my last lesson and it's kind of linked to what i was saying before but the opposite is so if the other the lesson before was extreme thinking on either end isn't productive my last lesson for this year is however you're not an extremist um and i think this has been because i think i got to a point in the year where i was like oh my gosh this extreme thinking is really too much and it's overwhelming and it's not great um and i think i try to adopt this neutral viewpoint in life yeah i try to adopt this neutral viewpoint in life and um not well i was just like <laughs> trying to be so careful of not adopting a really extreme viewpoint and i think this is when i got to the point of is this me being extremist thinking or is this just a basic human right that um you know i should always fight and scream and um advocate that you know people have access to those human rights i think i got to that point i was like oh my gosh if i am getting to this point is that just me being an extremist and i think extreme thinking on either end isn't productive because at that point it morphs into something else and it's not really a viewpoint it's more just a weird agenda that must keep going on even though it really shouldn't but anyways once you get to that extreme thinking i i don't think it's productive anymore but you know you're not an extremist for you know holding on to the values that you're like actually this is really really important to me like if you are strong in your feelings if you are strong in your commitment um if you're strong to your um congruency to a particular social justice cause or to a value um if you really get behind a co-papa you're not an extremist for doing that um i think there is a difference between you know the strength of your feelings and your thoughts and your values compared to um you know how you act as a person like i like say if i was strong like if i had a really strong thoughts about a particular topic um you know as long as i am behaving in a way where i'm like actually i'm here for growth i'm here for learnings i'm here to um i'm here to further this co-papa but still know how to engage um and deal with who you know whoever is around me then then that's what i'm committed to i think that's absolutely fine it doesn't mean that you're an extremist it's okay to feel strong in your feelings but the difference lies in how you show up in this world and your conduct and your behavior and how willing you are to have those really deep conversations and how you create those safe places and how you have those really deep conversations but there's nothing wrong with having strong feelings or emotions between a particular for a particular cause um and i think that was a really huge thing for me to realize i think i did get um really in my head about 
you know, staying away from this binary thinking to the point where I was really questioning if it was okay for me to feel a particular way about something. And then I kind of clicked, well, it's actually, it's not about the strength of your feelings. You can have those and kind of acknowledge, well, how is it, like, how do I feel or no, actually, it's more about your conduct and your behavior and kind of acknowledging, yes, you may feel a really strong way about this. Um, but, you know, how do I have that conversation with um, other people, especially if they don't have the same level of feelings? And if this is you feel so strongly about something, you're like, this is something that we should all care about. Or this is all, you know, this is a co-pupper that we should all get behind. Well, how do you get people to do that? you know and I think when you ask yourself that you realize oh well I actually I need to approach I need to approach different communities in different ways I need to approach this conversation in a soft gentle way I need to learn how to create those safe places and um, that kind of conduct I think is what's really needed um, to enact change in, in whatever that change may look like but I think we need to make that distinction between how you feel and think versus doing because it's it's a-okay to have those strong feelings um but how it translates to how you create those spaces and how you have those conversations and how you're going about creating change it really is what makes a difference but I think that's the the other danger of the extremist thinking is that um the strength of your feelings is then associated with your conduct and and I think the deeper you get into the the different camps, whatever the camps may be, you know, it is associated with a particular kind of conduct and level of um, conversation, how that conversation is carried out. And there is a different way we can have this corridor. Um, but I think the divisions that have been put up because of this um, really extreme thinking um, doesn't help with that so um, just to recap my lessons from this year um, when someone challenges you really listen and reflect um, to someone can only meet you where they've met themselves or once they've met themselves three follow the inconsistencies four if you're genuinely invested in that person's growth no matter how different they think to you you need to create safe places for those conversations um five extremist thinking on either end isn't productive and six however you're not an extremist for feeling strong big feelings about a particular value um or co-papa and to finish off as i promised um i've got five reflection questions um that you can go through if you kind of want to sit and reflect about this year and these questions um, I mean I suppose you can apply it to just life in general but I kind of these questions are more for helping you reflect about how you show up for conversations that are about um, a particular co-papa or they're about a social justice issue or they're about if you're trying to reflect on well how have I shown up as an ally this year so um, number one is what are my top three to five non-compromisable values and what I'd recommend for this is just googling a list of values because um, there's so many that you can pick from um, but picking the 
top three to five and these are the, your like ride or die values um, that you will hold on to no matter what the circumstance the situation the context and it actually it sounds like a very easy task to do um, but the process of identifying those values is essentially asking you know who am I as a person and that's always such a big question so that's my first question my second one is what is my armor or defense mechanism when I feel uncomfortable um, and you know th this is your your go-to when you do feel those like I'm, I'm labeling it ugly emotions but they're not ugly emotions but I think the ones that make us feel a bit icky or maybe our stomach twists a little bit when we feel this particular way but um, what is our what are your defense mechanisms and you do feel uncomfortable or embarrassed or shamed or guilty um, how does that manifest what does that look like um, because you cannot control something you cannot change something if you are not aware of what that thing is to begin with um, so I, I recommend kind of sitting with that question um, my third question is take any worldview that you have Keep asking yourself why you have that worldview five times. So, I don't know, whatever worldview that you choose to um, unpack, write it down and then ask yourself, why do I have that particular view? And whatever your answer may be to that, ask yourself, well, why do I have that view? And ask yourself five times. And it's insane how asking yourself five times what where you'll get to with that um but when you ask yourself why you know you get to highlight those inconsistencies if there are any you get to highlight well is this idea coming from me as who I am as a person or is it coming from you know just absorbing it from the environment um you know you get to highlight these things when you ask yourself why so that's my third question take any worldview that you have keep asking yourself why you have that view five times in a row and see where you land with that um my fourth reflection question is what do i want to unlearn um whatever it may be what is what is something that you want to unlearn and it can be you can write down as many things as you want um for this question um and then the fifth question is kind of the flip side of that which is what do i want to engage with more um you know is there do you want to engage more with like sustainability well that's what i want to engage with more next year i think that's something that keeps um coming up time and time again because it is a value that is important to me but i think this year i've realized or oh, actually there i could be more committed and congruent um to that particular value so what do you want to engage with more and the idea behind question four and five the answers that you get from those questions will highlight um where you know what kind of learnings you could um prioritize uh for for next year and well not just for next year but you know for for the rest of your life you know what do I really want to unlearn or what do I want to engage with more um so just to recap my reflection questions are what are my top three to five values what is my armor or defense mechanism when I feel uncomfortable um 
take any worldview that you have, keep asking yourself why you have that worldview five times, uh, four, what do I want to unlearn, and five, what do I want to engage with more. Um, I hope you have enjoyed listening to Headscarves and Good Yarns this year. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. I'm just, just a gal who wants to have deep um, conversations and so it's cool that um, you humans tune in and are here for the ride. I hope everyone has a beautiful holiday period and fills up their cups and rest and rejuvenate and I'll see you in 2023. Bye! Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Headscarfs and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarfs and Good Yarns or email us at headscarfsandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.